Welcome to the podcast. I'm Lottie Walker and together with the Exchange Theatre in Twickenham, I've curated a short series of one-woman shows to celebrate International Women's Day and Women's History Month. One Woman Wednesdays runs every Wednesday in March this year and we'll be introducing you to historical, mythical and personal heroines of our wonderful performers, all of whom I'm going to be chatting to in a podcast episode. So enjoy the podcast and do come along to Twickenham to see us. If you can't get to Twickenham, then all of the shows are touring, so try and catch them somewhere else in the country. So in today's Zoom room, we have the marvellous Caroline Burns-Cook, who is appearing in Testament of Youtha, her one-woman show that she's written and performs in all about 70s sitcom heroine Eutha Joyce. So welcome, Caroline. Oh, hello. Nice to speak to you. <laughs> Lovely to speak to you. Now, tell us a, a little bit about the show. Why did you choose Eutha? Well, it's kind of weird because I'd done two very intense solo shows before, but they were based on real people and real life stories. And I was interested in doing some comedy because I do both and that uh, those had humour in them, but they weren't particularly comic. And I just thought, is there somebody that attracts me? And I think she was a very interesting woman. There's there's so much said about people like, um, you know, the carry on women, the Barbara Windsors and, and the Hattie Jakes. And I just remember she was particularly fantastic. She was funny and elegant and witty and far be it from me <laughs> to say I might have something in common with that. But the wit and the sarcasm really appealed to me. I, I knew that she would be interesting to me because she'd been to the theatre workshop with Joan Littlewood. Joan Littlewood created a theatre workshop in Stratford East and all the actors mucked in and did everything. They sold the programmes, they made the sets, they did the shows, they did shows with music. And it was very, very revolutionary. And I thought, this is a real actress. She's not just popped up to do a sitcom which is not to denigrate sitcoms. I thought if she's got enough in her life to interest me. I'd really like to do something about her. And when I looked into it, I mean, she was she was fascinating. She'd done all that theatre work and then did quite a few films. I mean, she was in Man for All Seasons. She was in a film at Dirk Bogard, um, Our Mother's House. She did an amazing cameo performance with Harold Pinter's script in The Pumpkin Eater, which was a film with Peter Finch and Anne Bancroft. And uh, Pinter said about her, and I used that in the show, that it was the greatest cameo he'd ever seen. That's the woman we're talking about. Basically, she went from a theatre workshop into a lot of stuff at Pinewood. And then she got thrown into kind of Hammer things, Hammer films as well. I mean, she did have a very uh, horror film quality about her that I think was exploited. So she was probably doing small parts in kind of serious films and then bigger parts in maybe less serious films. But from that, she was in everything. She was in Danger Man. She was in Avengers. She was in all those 60s programmes and and a lot of comedy. She was in... um, uh, never mind the quality feel, the width. He was with, you know, in Steptoe and Son as a girlfriend. And I mean, her and Harry H. Corbett had been at the theatre workshop together and he'd played Hamlet. You know, it was like suddenly people, are, television took over a lot of people who may have been serious theatre actors. And, and, and as I say, that's not to denigrate it, but I know Joan Littlewood was very upset that they would go into television and be, you know, typecast. And that's exactly what happened to her. The nutshell of it was I thought, well, who is the, who is this woman and, and why do I need to talk about her? Not just, you know, I'm going to make a play about an actress. But I noticed that 
she was incredibly famous for 10 years. And she died at the end of those 10 years. And when she did die of alcoholic poisoning, liver failure, they said she'd been drinking a bottle of brandy a day for 10 years. In that intense drinking period, which I think was to do with the the pressure of fame and her performance nerves, she was very scared of television. It was recorded in front of a a studio audience. Um, So I think I I get terrible nerves. She got terrible nerves. I'm not an alcoholic, but I did um, have a drinking problem till I was 40 and I stopped drinking. And she loved animals. There's three things that I connect with her. And I thought, let's go. <laughs> Basically, that's it. Let's like, just do let's it. Let's do ether. And then the George and Mildred thing, they were such a good double act. That's exactly it. And that's where the pressure became extremely intense. I think they'd done five series of George and Mildred, but also they did tons of publicity, which she normally had to do on her own or often had to do on her own because George Brian Murphy had a family. She was single. She did a lot of public appearances as well as doing the sitcoms. Sitcoms didn't take that much time of the year up, but the rest of the time they were doing Georgia Mildred shows all, you know, summer seasons and all over Australia and New Zealand. So the workload was massive. I mean, she was very young when she died. She was 52, which is absolutely appalling, but she wasn't 20 and it was a lot of hard work. And and what was her her personal life like? Was she married? She married um, Glyn Edwards, the actor who um, is probably best known for being the barman in Minder. And she'd worked with him in rep. He had a theatre company. So she worked with him in rep. They got married and then they went to theatre workshop together. Um, and they stayed really good friends, but they they did get divorced after. I can't remember how many years. So it's more a friendship really than a romance by the sound of it. So she was married to him. She didn't remarry, but she had a couple of long-term relationships. But there were always people in the business. It was like she needed protection in a way. That was the, you know, she she married one guy who was, well, he was in the music promoting business, I think. She said that was a little bit of a volatile relationship, but she didn't say anything really bad about it. And then the next one, because she was older, she was with the production manager on their tours for a very long time. And he was a man a lot younger. So it sounded like, you know, she didn't have much life outside what she was doing, but she'd have a man to support her. She was on her own at the end. She was very much of of her time. So how are you finding sort of more contemporary audiences are receiving her? You know, it's a it's a, a funny and sad, tragic play. But I mean, I suppose the man eating, I'm not afraid of my sexuality sort of thing. It's very contemporary. I thought I'm not going to do a show about this woman unless there's something to say. And I think there is a lot to say because she's a she's a very interesting and tragic figure in many ways. But also um, it was almost like a farce, which is why there's a lot of humour, because she was born early in the war and was sent off to um, be an evacuee. But it turned out to be the phony war. It was like they were expecting the bombs to (laughs) happen, and they didn't. So she was sent back again. And when they had the real blitz, she was too old to go. Um, Her father was a singer, and that's why she kind of got into showbiz. And I've done a lot of songs, and I sing them quite badly, because I'm not a singer, but also because she wasn't a great singer. It was kind of a joke that she wanted to be a singer and he kept saying, you'll never be as good as your mother. You know, in, in the show, I sort of say, because of the war, I couldn't go to a finishing school in, you know, Switzerland. Joke, joke, obviously, that never would have happened. So I went to RADA instead. And a lot of girls did go to RADA. And, and you know, I'm I'm just thinking, 
George and Mildred, were they filmed at Teddington? Teddington, yeah. Yeah, just up the road. So we're bringing you for home. I have a line about we, we rehearsed in the Rose and Crown in Teddington, but I don't think it's the Rose and Crown. I've just been saying whatever pub came into my head, as you do. And um, I'm pretty sure I better change it. <laughs> oh, that's so lovely. She's coming home to Teddington. I'm very excited. Absolutely. Yeah. Perfect. Super. Excellent stuff. Well, it's the 22nd of March, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. So we will look forward to seeing you back in Twickenham. Might run you down to Teddington for a little look at what's happening yeah, yeah. studios now. They're not there <laughs> anymore. And so that is Wednesday as part of One Woman Wednesdays, the 22nd of March. I think it is eight o'clock. Yeah, I think it is. And um, come along, all you St. Mary students and everybody else. It'd be really nice to pack the place out for our, our nice local lady. So thank you so much, Caroline, for your time oh, today. My pleasure. Really nice to speak to you. And uh, I'll look forward to seeing you again on the 22nd of March. Definitely. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to find out more about our guests and the shows, then do check out the show notes. There's also information there about us and how you can follow us on social media, stay in touch with us and support us going forward. We really do appreciate all your help and support and look forward to being in touch with you again soon.